Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, through the Lord Jesus. Amen. What we have in Exodus 20 today is commonly called the Ten Commandments. But I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to make the point here again today. What they are referred to in the scriptures is not Ten Commandments, but the Ten Words. The Hebrew is davarim, um, which is the word for words, ten words. And recapturing this scriptural designation, I think, is all the more important today because it allows us to reimagine what these words are for. And not reimagine them on our own, but rather to have God shape our imagination about these words through the scriptures that we share and that we gather around. The ten words are missional words. They're about God's mission out into the world. Now, these words are probably not high on our list of mission-minded Bible verses. Usually when people think about, like, what's a passage of Scripture that's about God's mission out into the world, people quote the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Go Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've commanded you. But my hope today is that you will see these ten words as part of God's mission in the world to bless all people, to make disciples of all nations, just as Jesus desires us to do. Let me start with God's mission God's mission in the scriptures, in one way, is to crush the head of the serpent, to undo the curse that humans brought about, and to restore Eden blessing and let it flow out into the creation in its fullness. And maybe even more so, we find, shockingly, his mission is to do this through humans. A child of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Man and woman are created to advance God's blessing from Eden out into the wilderness, though they failed by doing what was good in their own eyes rather than listening to God's voice. But even after this tragedy, God's mission remains the same. Restore Eden blessing and amazingly do so through humans. And sort of shockingly, he singles out one family in the scriptural account, Abraham and Sarah, to do this. And he promises them, I will bless you, and through you all nations will be blessed. Which sounds an awful lot like Jesus saying, make disciples of all nations. Right? Go bless all nations, make disciples of all nations. What God told Abraham to go and do is really a continuation, excuse me, what Jesus tells his disciples to do is a continuation of the covenant with Abraham. God was going to carry out his mission through Sarah and Abraham. This language of blessing, it's about restoring Eden blessing. It's about challenging and undoing the curse, the violence, the selfishness, the failure and death of God's good creation. God is committed to seeing this blessing through, through people still. And in the scriptures, it's the descendants of Abraham and Sarah who are chosen to carry this out. 
And then we get to the Exodus, the descendants of Abraham and Sarah. They're vast, they're numerous, and God delivers them out from slavery, salvation from a land of death and oppression. And as they rejoice in that salvation, they are told they're going to move to a new land. Not like a land ruled by Pharaoh, but a land that's described like Eden, flowing with milk and honey and full of all sorts of fruit trees and plants in abundance, the land promised to Abraham. And on the way, God leads them to Mount Sinai and makes a covenant with them, a binding relationship that is a continuation and an expansion on the relationship he started with Sarah and Abraham. If Abraham and Sarah were going to bring blessing to all of the nations, then they were supposed to do so by trusting God's promise first and foremost. They were supposed to carry out that mission, if you will, in a life of trust. And in the story, they did that, and they also did not do that at times. At Mount Sinai, God tells the people, if they keep his covenant, if they listen to his voice, if they trust him, then that massive group of people there, a million plus, would be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This language of royal priesthood, it actually connects deeply to the Garden of Eden and to Abraham, but for the sake of time today, just think about priests as go-betweens. Go-betweens. They're mediators of God's blessing in the world. They are the ones who announce and enact Eden blessing. When you want to go and interact with a deity, you go to a priest in those days. And it's not as if the priest was deity in and of themselves, but rather they were that go-between. So you interact with the God and hear from them through the priest. But God says to his people, if you keep my covenant, you all, you massive community, you all together will be a royal priesthood. It's as if the world, the nations, are going to receive and experience God's blessing and his presence whenever they interact with this people that are keeping his covenant. If they listen to God's voice, they will carry out the mission of God of undoing the curse, crushing the serpent, and revealing God's presence in the world. The ten words, therefore, are deeply missional words. And we have to kind of reimagine maybe a little bit of what these are. They're not a checklist of items to do and not do. They're not guidelines or a list of laws and commands. They're grammatically not even written as imperatives. They're described as the ten words. They're a description of God's values in his relationship with this people a description that is really meant to spark their imaginations for his people who have been transferred from a reign of slavery to a being welcomed into a reign of abundance and life. It's not a checklist. It's a description of a foundational relationship that has been reoriented towards Yahweh. And it's no small thing that the ten words begin with this. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. These whole words, they're framed as being given to a people who have been saved. They're situated as an alternative, a new reign, one that is different than what they knew in Egypt. I brought you out of that land. 
You know how a relationship with Pharaoh was run, but now you're in a relationship with me. So God says in this relationship where I save you from slavery, you will have no other gods before me. You will not make graven images, right? Don't do that stuff. That's how Pharaoh and his reign and his land functioned. And all it brought was death. And all it brought was destruction. I don't want you to be like the serpent. I don't want you to continue to bring about curse. No, I want you to bring blessing. Remember the Sabbath. Rest. (laughs) You know what it's like under Pharaoh. I am not a taskmaster and a slave driver like Pharaoh was. Rest. And I will provide enough. You will not murder. You will not covet. The world, according to Pharaoh, was a world driven by fear and covetousness. Right? What did coveting for Pharaoh lead to? It led to eating up the land, to acquiring all the animals, to acquiring all of the people, and acquiring all the power. And it was always that covetousness was always at the expense of others. God says, you will not be like that in this relationship with me. That does not advance my mission in the world. That's just more curse. You will be different in this relationship with this God who saves you. You will bring Eden blessing. These are not a checklist to follow. They are a description of the values of God's reign in the world a description that is meant to engage our imaginations with the beauty of a life lived in relationship to the God who saves from death. Taking these words seriously today doesn't mean having them posted or making sure we have them memorized or that we're checking off the box next to each one. Taking these words seriously means something much more It means adopting God's way of looking at the world. It means adopting God's economy of abundance and trust in him, God's desire for life. It would mean reimagining geopolitical position and military action and striving not to make sure simply that someone doesn't lie in a court case, but that no aspect of justice is diminished. And especially that the widow, the orphan, the immigrant are never treated as if they lack the level of humanity that we have. If we have a way of conceiving of the 10 words that somehow makes room for the disenfranchisement of communities or somehow makes room for the destruction of nations or contributes to generational poverty, then that way of imagining what these words are for is no longer for the blessing of all people but rather it contributes to the curse being perpetrated in their midst. That's not the mission of God, right? Those ends are and those means are not what God is up to in the world. For the people of God, we are meant to be a royal priesthood. Jesus, you see, is on board with the immensity of this vision of God's mission in the world, And it's why if the people of God are imagined in a relationship with him, and in that relationship, God touches their imagination with, you will not murder, you will not covet. I brought you out of Egypt after all. 
Jesus amazingly deepens that imagination when he says, don't even be angry. For if you are angry with your brother or sister, then you have done the very thing that brings about murder. If you are angry, it's just going back to what Cain did to Abel. You will not objectify human beings. If anyone looks at another human with lust in their heart, they have been unfaithful. If somebody strikes you on the face, turn the other cheek to them. I mean, what a crazy imagination Jesus has. A community of people who hear, you will not murder, and then move deeper in order to try to address the roots of anger that leads to murder, right? Imagine a community where anger does not drive actions against others. Imagine a community where humans are not objectified or used for personal gain and purpose. Imagine a community of people in which when force is used against someone or someone in that community, the community works to try to prevent retaliation with force. And rather, the members strive together to turn the other cheek. It's crazy. Imagine a community carrying out Eden blessing in the world. This is what God was partnering with the ancient Israelite community at Mount Sinai to do. It is what he sent Jesus to accomplish where no human has been able to succeed in the fullest. And it's what Jesus commissions us to do for all people and to continue to carry it out today. Go and make disciples. Go bless all nations. The mission of God is to bring Eden blessing and to undo the curse for humanity through humans, even like you and me today. And Jesus is the new human, somehow in his body, the fullness of humanity, who is crushing the serpent, who was willing to become the curse on behalf of failed humans, and who has conquered death by his resurrection. As Jesus himself again puts it, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has saved us from the corruption of our hearts and he's delivered us out from the power of death itself. And in this relationship of salvation, he calls us to live a life according to his desires. These 10 words are a description of that life lived in trust towards God. Jesus is an embodiment of that life lived towards God and towards all other human beings. And in his life, he has become the source of blessing for all people. He continues to invite us to participate in this blessing, not only as those receiving it, which we do with great joy, but also in carrying it out. In trusting in the one God we know in Jesus who delivers us out of the land of death into the land of resurrection life at the return of Jesus. Trusting in this one spirit that binds us all together, working together to put away things like anger, to put away desires for retaliation, to put away from ourselves dehumanizing thoughts and behaviors Because in shaping our way of living around his desires means we're working towards living as a royal priesthood. 
sharing in and revealing Eden blessing to the world. And when we live according to God's desires, he promises we are participating in blessing all nations according to his mission that he's bringing to fulfillment in Christ himself. Now may the peace that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.